Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to Borderless Executive Life. We're going to start in a few seconds, so it's nice to have you here and looking forward to answering whatever you ask. We'll be starting in just a few seconds from now. Hello and welcome to Baldus Executive Live on LinkedIn. Uh, this is actually your Ask Anything Thursday. My name is Andrew Chris, and I have the pleasure of taking a fresh glance at current affairs and executive life. So without further ado, let's get on with it. Question number one that's coming up here for us right now, uh, which came up in some discussions earlier this week, was what's stopping you from reinventing your career. This is rather timely as in Monday's Borderless Weekly News, we covered a recent paper in the Harvard Business Review written by Heather Cairnsley and Bill Fisher. And they quoted a recent Microsoft study of around 30,000 people. This revealed that around 46% of workers are now considering a major career pivot or a transition following the COVID years. Their point was, of course, that many people were considering a life change, but very few were actually doing something about it. I think the authors, candidly, were being rather generous, especially in the way they treated senior executives, who the authors claim tend to work uh, based on their previous success. In other words, success is part of their identity, and personal reinvention implies a reputational risk the few are ready to contemplate. And while executives get a lot of training in strategic planning and change and organizations and all these kind of things, reinvention at a personal level is absolutely not part of the curriculum at any business school. As senior executives, you know, we tend to be regarded as people to whom others come for advice. So going out and seeking advice, seeking help, requires what some people refer to, at least these authors refer to as courage. In our conversations, we often see deep analysis about what I should do next. It's part of our every conversation, almost with every executive we meet. All too frequently, though, this becomes paralysis by analysis. Or put it another way, you go through so much analysis about what your future ought to be, that in the end, it's another excuse for the status quo. The courage isn't quite there. Searching for the one right answer, of course, is always another question. Uh, there is no one right answer, and searching for that will also hold you back from taking steps. It's important to remember that just as in any aspect of business, there are many ways to tackle a problem, and most will be successful to one extent or another. But there's no magic answer when it comes to reinventing yourself. Try the options. Experiment. You have the experience to adapt as you go if you find yourself in a difficult spot. So experience helps with that, but experimentation is critical. It seems that the easiest way to avoid starting on this reinvention process is just to keep focusing on the everyday things, on the urgent work we all have to do, because our in-trays, if it was such a thing these days, at least your inbox is always full. So the more you 
tend to bury yourself in your immediate responsibilities, the less time you have and the less time to make some time aside to focus on your longer-term aspirations. You're always going to be weighed down by the demands of today. This helps to procrastinate. And procrastination is the enemy of personal reinvention. So are Cairns Lee and Fisher right? This is what they say. What do you think? Put your thoughts and questions in the QA box uh, to your right-hand side. So let's go to question number two. Question number two, which came up uh, the other day, which is why we're posting it here. It comes from a chemical industry executive who is now searching for a senior role. The question he asked, and understandably so, is what does the current downturn in industrial manufacturing and consumer demand mean for me when I'm out there looking for a new senior role? Well, as you all know, it's not many weeks back that we had a shortage of trucks, not enough drivers, too few containers, low water on the Rhine, couldn't get stuff downstream, producers couldn't meet demand. Today, it's the complete opposite. Today, especially when you look at energy-intensive chemicals, for those of you familiar with the chemical world, ammonia would be part of that, methanol, vinyl chloride, monomer, and so on. Production is slashed by 30 to 50% and more in some cases. As ISIS reported recently, shutdowns and premature turnarounds that are taking out capacity are everywhere. Uh, as they say, the European petrochemical sector is readying for some really tough quarters ahead. Industrial activity and consumer demand is most certainly turning down. Thank you, Mr. Putin and others. It's a different picture, though, in the US where energy costs are not the same, demand remains strong, and in the end, low-priced product made in the US and elsewhere is finding its way to higher-priced European markets. So back to your question. If you're asking, is this the best time to ever to find a new role in the chemical industry? Of course, if you're in Europe, you'd expect me to say, probably not. But actually, it's not as simple as that. It really depends. So let me give some answers to your question. I've got four points for you. The industry may not need more people, but it urgently needs different people with very different skills. There are so many executives out there who have not developed themselves, who will simply not be able to manage under current conditions. Many will have been successful through growing businesses and in times of economic plenty, but they're not going to be up to the challenge of living with the conditions that are going to exist for the next few quarters. Boards will not be patient. So if you are that leader with proven skills, with agility and resilience, you're going to be able to lead through these difficult times, and this is when your moment has arrived. Our clients want to be talking with you. Second point. If you've done more than just talk about ESG, don't even bother to ask what that is. The circular economy and so on, you've thought ahead. You've built personal networks. You understand the fundamentals of sustainability, what the issues are. You understand waste management, recycling technologies, and all the politics that are motivating legislators. And you've already had experience at making the circular economy work for your company you're in high demand. A good moment for you. 
if you're in the US, of course, on the Gulf Coast, you'd imagine things would be a lot better. They're almost too much better. There's a real shortage of talented leaders. It's reached a critical point. Senior roles are not being filled, and they're definitely not being filled very fast. Salaries are rising in the US. Employers are meeting and bettering competitive offers for their people. And at the same time, families have become less mobile. Why are we going to move? You know, we got a, you got a great job. You just had another salary increase to keep you here. We're not going to move. In reality, the pandemic has reduced mobility in the U.S. So if you're an experienced executive with prior experience in the U.S. and you're mobile, if you're mobile, especially beyond the Gulf Coast, there are roles aplenty. Senior roles need to be filled. So... My advice to you, if you this is a moment when you're going to change your life in the chemical industry, use this time well. The ideal role may be some time away, so this is a moment to invest in yourself. Go take some courses, and I don't mean do yoga or wellness training. I'm talking about working on the issues, learning about the things that will matter to the future of the chemical industry. Cutting costs, making the assets sweat, we all know how to do that. It's not about that. It's about recognizing the issues the industry will face, uh, faces, existential threats, for example, related to sustainability, geographic dislocation of the industry, and the really disruptive forces of AI, digital technologies, and so on. These will not go away just because we need to focus today on making sure our assets are working well. So now is a moment to invest in yourself and extend your expertise. So maybe this is time you can be looking for a new role in the chemical industry at a senior level. Okay, so let's move on to another interesting question here, which came up here related to Brexit, my least favorite topic. So do you think Brexit's made a difference to international careers especially for Brits. Uh, where do I start? Uh, I was brought up and worked in the UK. I've lived and worked subsequently in five other countries across Europe. So when I hear a client say, as we do here now from time to time, we prefer hiring Europeans to British executives who've not been out of the UK before for any international role. I have to say, I really get upset. It really upsets me. Simply put, it's just getting more difficult to bring a UK national to a senior role or to a headquarters role in any EU country. Clients tell us they need to think about applying for work permits, uh, residence permits, uh, ease of travel becomes a question, and reading between those lines, those easy relationship skills respect, tolerance, and the innate humor that Britons have had stamped on them for a long time and causes them to be people that are liked and generally welcome. Uh, this has been damaged by Brexit, no question. Of course, outstanding Brits, are they are just that. They stand out, just like any other outstanding person. But there's no doubt in my mind that UK executives who want to extend their careers in content Europe, now start with an extra handicap. What a great shame. Uh, to get a realistic perspective of the economic rather than some of the human aspects that we're talking about here, I really recommend taking a look at the Financial Times video 
the Brexit Effect is published a couple of weeks back. It's on YouTube. FT, the Brexit Effect, really worth 15 minutes of your time. Let's move on to the next question. Where are we? Are there any books you'd recommend for executives on the topic of personal growth? Books? Yeah, I remember books. Yeah, of course, there are lots of books. Uh, quick suggestion to you here. Beware of the magic school, of the magic answer school of dealing with life's big issues. Lots of so-called gurus out there who will tell you there's six facts or seven pieces of cheese or whatever you like. There are just too many so-called life coaches around who simply have not had the experience that you've had operating as a senior executive in a complex organization. They're theorists. And you may not run the risk of not having your situation adequately understood. So by all means, look for good, look for good books or approach people that have been in your situation and have already addressed these very fundamental issues that you're now facing. And if you're serious about exploring your future, I think it's probably worthwhile doing more than just buying a book or two or scanning the web. There are a handful of really top-class firms out there that can work with you at what's ultimately a delicate time and making some of the more difficult decisions you're going to make in your life. There are some good friends of borderless people like the Harlshon business, terribly difficult to say, H-A-R-L-S-C-H-O-N. These guys focus on working on career advancement and transition support for senior executives. By all means, do due diligence just as you would on any other business matter. Other organizations too that we know well run pretty good quality webinars on related topics, people like the Not Actively Looking organization, and they have lots of plentiful resources for changing lives. And if you're going the way of developing a portfolio career, uh, for many people, as we hear these days, I'd love to become a non-exec, uh, not that I necessarily understand what that means. So people like Ken Andrew, in the UK, have a very balanced and realistic approach, which will be tailored specifically to your needs. So with that, let's move on. How can a Brit stand out, it says here, as you mentioned? Let me give you a personal anecdote here. Um, I, when I'm in London, I tend to get into cabs, and the cab driver says, you've got a bit of an accent, where are you from? And I have to say, what the bloody hell do you mean where am I from? Well, the reality is that over the years of working beyond the UK, I've learned to speak a very different language. My language cannot be said to be British English. And by the way, you need to know I grew up in Glasgow in East London. So if you could understand those, boy, you're a hero in continental Europe. I've discovered some time back, as I was told that people couldn't understand a word I was saying, that language is meant to be something to communicate. So I've learned to speak a different kind of English. So language is an important thing, and we tend to be way overusing, just as many U.S. citizens use, all kinds of colloquial expressions. Try and cut those out of your language. You'll stand out by actually being a Brit that people can understand. Isn't that wonderful? Of course, that's a very personal thing. I shouldn't be telling you here. But above all, I think getting experience as early as possible in your career outside the UK is something that's really going to help you stand out. Get out there early, travel as much as you can, and get a feeling for cultures and the differences 
right across the world. It's all too easy to be caught up on a very British island. Not that it's not a wonderful place to live before you hit me over the head. Okay. So with that, let's bring this session to close. I think I've said more than enough, and hopefully I'm going to see some more questions coming up uh, from you in the coming weeks. I'm going to bring this session to a close, but I want to thank you all for having joined me. And I would look forward to welcoming you next Thursday and answering your questions on Borders Executive Live on LinkedIn. See you very soon. Thank you.